Does everybody know what time it is? It's time to decide once and for all who owns this podcast. Is it yours, Landon, just because you pay for the domain name and run the website? Because I edit it, and that counts for something. That's right, it does. Together, we both own Grunt Work. Welcome everybody to Grunt Work, the all-inclusive podcast about the TV show Home Improvement. As always, I'm Landon, what's yours is mine and what's mine is mine, Solano. <laughs> Joined always by Truman, I wouldn't mind turning into a vermilion goldfish caps. <laughs> vermilion goldfish yeah. is actually my Wi-Fi password. <laughs> well, there you go. Excellent guess. Get a little, a little Matisse with your, uh, your intro this week. I didn't even know that, see I would, do, I would do crappy old pop song references, you do like artistic references. You're so much more highbrow than me. Uh, I call it pretentious, but uh... I call it highbrow because I'm often accused of being pretentious and I want a nicer <laughs> word for it. Uh, fair. Um, and just a note to anyone listening uh, today, you probably won't but uh, there's an off chance that you might hear some chatter in the background. Uh, we, you know, uh, we're going to pull back the curtain a little bit. We don't have a fancy schmancy recording studio here. We have a cut rate recording studio, <laughs> a, a uh, shoestring budget. Uh, literally we are recording with uh shoe screen, shoe strings and uh, two cans. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's I'm, I'm on the other side of the living room right now and we're whispering to yes. each other through it, but the pickup is very good. Uh, anyway, there uh, is a life and a world going on outside this podcast. I think people know that man because they're living those lives. <laughs> well, they're living it outside our apartment, my apartment right now, uh, where there is apparently <laughs> nice, a party going on. Nice save. The R apartment. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, there is a party going on. I paid apartment. <laughs> so yeah, but I help record the podcast in it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, and also, you pay for the apartment, but you still don't own it. Some other dude owns this. You just fair. rent it. No, okay, fair. Apartments don't really belong to anyone. We're just <laughs> borrowing them, man. They come from the earth. Uh, no, but your neighbors are having quite the raucous party that we were not invited to, and I, I don't think they invited any of you guys either. So Sons I'm bitches. I'm I'm really sorry about that. That's let's, boycott. Yeah, yeah. Or let's just go down there, sneak in, and then continue recording this in their bathroom. <laughs> Uh, I think, yeah, yeah, that sounds like a fun time to me. Yeah, that's an um, even worse recording uh, <laughs> recording studio than the one we have. <laughs> uh, Truman, how are you doing this week? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm Aside from being bummed about the party and my lingering resentments toward various uh, doo-wop bands from the 90s. <laughs> no, it's lasted three weeks now. I know. Well into the new year, which is... Uh, now, 1993. What? I, I slept too long. <laughs> You're like a reverse Captain America. You fell asleep or you got stuck in ice and then you woke up uh, 20 years in the past. Yeah, it's like <laughs> Back to the Future meets Captain America. Ooh, I want to see that movie. Uh, where, where, where Captain America has to go to the 80s and is confused all over again. Because he got used to the 40s and he got used to the 2010s. But then, he, <laughs> then he's like, wait, so there are computers, but they're not as good as they are in the future. <laughs> Oh, my God. You know, they've done everything else with the Captain America through lines that I think, why not? Why they, not explore this? Well, I've got another idea for Captain America. Are you ready yeah. for this? Yes. He moves to Canada. Classic fish out of water story. Wow. Yeah. Speaking of fish out of water. <laughs> yeah. This we, week on Home Improvement. We, actually, I, I do have a, a small oh, thing I want to oh, mention. I, uh, before my segue ahead. is too good, so no, no. For, fuck your thing. <laughs> Fair. Um, this, I had a Tim Taylor moment this week. Uh, this isn't even a story so much as an incident, but I was at a friend's house uh, that they had just moved into, so she was kind of giving me the grand tour, mm -hmm. and uh, this was one of the rare 
houses in Los Angeles that has a basement or oh. a cellar, I should say. You have yeah. to go outside and go down. And as I walked down into the cellar, I cranked my head. Oh, no. <laughs> and did it go doink? Well, it was a wood plank instead of a, a pipe. But um, I still wanted to make that noise. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I hit my head going down there. And then um, I was, you know, in a basement in Los Angeles and felt like I should be texting Robert Graysmith uh, <laughs> and looking for clues for the Zodiac Killer. Um, but And did you find any good clues? Uh, I did not. I was uh, a little disoriented, maybe suffering a mild concussion. <laughs> well, that's that's actually how the Zodiac Killer wants to get you. I mean, that's why he would invite <laughs> you down there in the first place. There you go. Um, yeah, but we watched an episode of Home Improvement this week that, uh, to go back to your brilliant segue, um, has to do with fish. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, fish, it has to do with fish less so than it has to do with uh, the vagaries of ownership and romance and possession. Yes. Uh, but but fish, you know, is the one that's easiest to joke about. Why don't you take us through the synopsis? Well, folks, when Jill opens her own checking account for the money she's made at her new job, Tim, <laughs> he doesn't take it well. And soon the two of them are locked in an argument over what in their life belongs to whom. When Tim lets slip that he believes Jill's car, not to mention the whole house they live in, belongs to him simply because he paid for them, Jill is furious at him for marginalizing her and her role in their relationship. Now, when Wilson helps Tim understand that his belief that he owns everything in the house is actually rooted in a deep-seated desire to own Jill as well, Tim makes amends by calculating up how much money he owes Jill for 12 years of marriage and motherhood. Meanwhile... Brad gets into hot water when he kills Jenny Sadarsky's goldfish by putting its bowl too close to a lamp and making the water too hot. At first, he and Randy try to find a duplicate goldfish so she won't find out, but ultimately Brad comes clean to her, and Jenny, against all odds, inexplicably, isn't mad about it. <laughs> and this episode is called... And this episode is called... Bigger Fish to Fry on the Pan That Belongs to Both of Us. Uh, I, if I had a guess, uh, even though I know the name of it, I would have said uh, something about hot water, being in hot water. Yeah, you're right. If I hadn't, if I hadn't made a point of using that tortured pun in my synopsis, <laughs> I probably would have guessed it myself. Um, but no, the name of this episode is called Howard's End. Because the name of the fish is Howard. Okay, well, definitely we're reverse engineering plot points in the script from a title opportunity. (laughs) Uh, That's still pretty good. I mean, that they can get literary with it. Yeah, and I I like to think that that somewhere inside uh, Howard's fishbowl, there was this kind of post-Victorian era uh, (laughs) melodrama going on where Howard was having some sort of sordid affair and... uh, Tried to bequeath his his little fish castle to another woman. <laughs> um, two things. First, little fish castle sounds like the name of a child actor akin to Finn Wolfhard. <laughs> Secondly, I I know that Howard's End is a book that I should know about, but I know absolutely nothing about it. So I would be totally joining in on your goofs, but I I couldn't tell you a thing. <laughs> it's kind of like Sophie's Choice, where I know enough about it to make a. Like, I could make a Howard's End joke if there was a plot point about a guy named Howard's butt in this episode, <laughs> but I wouldn't actually be able to tell you what it's about. So, uh, well, there you go. Thank you. This is why you're the Paul Simon of our <laughs> You Can Call Me Al video. Um, you can call me Al, because... <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm eager to know why. It would be quite confusing. Um, so, this episode, how did you feel about it? Uh, I felt good about it. Yeah? I, I like... Well, I felt that this episode... 
was, you know, we, we had some issues last week with an episode that we felt like had some promising angles that it could have gone in, but it didn't really fully commit to any of them. This week, this episode was truly about home improvement, <laughs> figuratively speaking. I guess last week was literally about home improvement because he fixes their closet, yeah. but this week was definitely about the figurative kind where it's, you know, the, the, the dispute between Jill and Tim is, A, for one thing, it's one of those real fights where they're right. actually mad at each other, or yeah. Jill is actually mad well, at Well, and it's it's about such a real thing that I think uh, all couples go through once they hit a certain point in their marriage. Yeah, I mean, I would, I, I am no relationship expert. I don't know much about marriage, but I will say that most couples probably don't have a huge fight over how best to modify the washing machine, <laughs> right. or, or like how many <laughs> conveyor belts and, and right. audio recordings they put into the remote controlled closet but I think that a lot of couples do fight about the matters of what belongs to who yeah. and uh, who whose money is whose and and you know how how do we retain some sort of individual identity even when uh, we have agreed to be a single unit in mm-hmm. the eyes of God and stuff and Wilson and, and, and the and, government yeah yeah all, all those all those get them um, so I, I think that this episode is rooted in real stuff mm-hmm. and I think it was yeah, you know, that's it, it had some funny bits. I mean, I I don't know. I I certainly I certainly liked the basis of it. I didn't think it was hysterically funny. Actually, I think that the kids B plot was the funniest. Agreed. But there yeah. were more laughs there. I I had issues with it as uh well, no, come on, man. It's going to make me I don't know, I know. I just I, I'm I'm usually pretty tight-lipped about my vegetarianism and and animal rights stuff. You know, uh, like, I don't yeah, like to yeah, push yeah. that on people. Yeah. But yeah. I had to trick myself into thinking they got a fake goldfish, which maybe they did. I, um, I'm certain. Look, look, let me tell you. Listen, listen. Let me tell you something. Uh, Shawshank Redemption was movie made like it came out in what '94. Yeah. So probably was shooting at '92, '93. Uh, you know the scene in it where he finds the maggot in his food and yeah. then gives it to the dude who feeds it to the bird in his pocket. Now, at the time, the ASPCA forced the producers of that movie to use a maggot that had died of natural causes rather than just get a maggot and kill it. Yeah. So what I'm going to say is those same people were supervising this shoot. They weren't going to let him just throw a dead goldfish around. They wouldn't let him kill a goldfish. Right, yeah. That's still like, okay, Well, so I'm not going to take anyone to task for it, but it's, <laughs> it was still hard for me to watch. Sure, I sure. actually watched a Charlie Chaplin short recently. I'm, I'm a huge Charlie Chaplin fan, but... Uh, there's this one from his mutual years that I had never seen before called 1am or something. It was not a, not one where he's playing a little tramp, but he plays a drunk and he's trying to get into his house and doesn't have his keys and, you know, shenanigans ensues. <laughs> As he, they so often do in Charlie <laughs> Chaplin movies. He goes in through the window and, um, the bathroom window, the, the living room window. Wow. Um, and as he comes in through the window, drunk and stumbling, he puts his foot in a goldfish bowl where they were clearly, goldfish floating around swimming and i it like i it broke my heart to watch charlie chaplin who i love step and continuously throughout the whole short oh. he would continuously put his foot back in that bowl and i just had this image of mushed goldfish i'm really bringing no up no the, no the, oh the, yeah i hope you guys aren't listening to this in your lunch hour <laughs> Let me tell you, the movie Total Recall, uh, which I first watched on cable as a child, which I know everyone is tearing out their earbuds in protest that a 11-year-old Truman didn't see the girl with three boobs, which <laughs> meant so much to so many people who I talked to, and I missed yes. it. 
But I watched it on cable, and while they did cut out the woman with three boobs, what they do show is the scene where the bad guy, in a fit of rage, knocks over his futuristic space fish tank, uh, and it shatters on the ground, and you see all these goldfish flopping on the ground. And as a child, I felt, like, I felt bad, like, I think I cried when I saw that, and I felt bad about that i felt like this kind of sick feeling inside yeah for months maybe a year afterwards feeling just bad at even like at first i thought that they'd actually killed the fish i know now knowing now knowing what i do about the the shawshank redemption story there's no way that they murdered those goldfish on set but even just the notion of a guy that's just that's an awful thing yeah and i'm not a vegetarian i'm not <laughs> Hugely motivated by you animal goldfish rights. all the time. I, I do all <laughs> kinds of 1920s uh, pranks, like swallowing goldfish and stuffing uh, stuffing phone booths, and swallowing goldfish in a phone booth, and swallowing goldfish phone booths. Just every permutation. You're doing so well on the vaudeville circuit. <laughs> I know, I know. My digestive system is fucked though. <laughs> but uh, it, it was really upsetting to me to just see the idea that in in the production of something for human entertainment animals are, are actually being hurt and victimized yeah. is is a difficult thing um i had a hard time with it but i will leave it at that and not mention it for the rest of this uh this episode okay um i'll bring it up a bunch of times though. how about that <laughs> i'm just i'm just gonna i appreciate i'm that. gonna poke the bear the fear of bears. Solidarity. Yeah. You have taken on my uh, use of poke the bear. But only to taunt you. So it's 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 a very puckish Randy Taylor sort <laughs> right, of move. All right. Um, let's let's do a deep dive on this guy. Yeah, let's just 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 dive on in and sleep with the fishes. <laughs> uh, we get the cold open, which is not on tool time, but uh, it is Tim and Jill and the kids coming home from the grocery store, where apparently Tim has been driving like a maniac. He, he was he was uh, too fast, too furiousing, and Tokyo drifting over some speed bumps. <laughs> and Jill is reading him the riot act for it because I guess he got into whenever he drives the car, which is. Jill's car, I guess, yeah. uh, he always uh, turns it into a competition and starts street racing people. And I think we need to talk about this car. Okay. Because last I remember there was any discussion of the car or yeah. what Jill's car was. It was just some kind of generic sedan that she had broken by not uh, changing the oil for a long yeah, time. Yeah, leaving the, the light on. And this is, this is early on last season. Yeah, that was... Uh... Bubble, bubble, toil, and trouble. <laughs> Reach out and touch somebody, I think. I think it was Jill's birthday. No, <laughs> uh, but now, all of a sudden, Jill's car is this cherry red, like, 1950s Studebaker station mm-hmm. wagon. Since when she's had this, there's no kind of introduction yeah. to when. It's true. And it is also uh, offhandedly mentioned in this episode that Tim built it. Yeah. Yeah. And so... I mean, and, and they even mentioned that this is not the hot rod that he has been building in the garage for the entire show. I don't know if you caught it. The it's, hot rod. It's in the shop. Specifically, Dave's shop. Son of a bitch. Dave is working on it. They gave it to Dave. So, okay, so with the, okay, so folks. Ad- adulterous Dave. Ad- adulterave. No, that's not a joke. Folks, it's case... a rave where you go and cheat on your wife. <laughs> Sponsored by Ashley Madison. Uh, also, just a rave, probably. <laughs> if you're listen, if you're a married man going to a rave, look at your life. <laughs> just stay... also, if you're anyone over the age of twenty going to a rave, look at your life. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Dave, and lest we forget, is the one who was dating Jill's friend Karen, mm-hmm. cheating on Jill's friend Karen. There was this whole snafu where Jill hates Dave because she knows that he's cheating, and then Dave hates Tim because Tim told Jill. But now, apparently, everyone's hunky-dory enough for them to just be working on each other's cars again. 
Uh, yeah, apparently. Maybe Tim has uh, re-sparked this friendship uh, in secret? I don't know. They, they went out for another ham and cheese sandwich I, with extra mustard. <laughs> I can't imagine that Jill would approve of it, but I, you know, I guess that never stopped Tim before. Yeah, I know. T- Jill also doesn't approve of Tim modifying parts of the house. That's yeah. literally, from day one, that's been the thing he's not supposed to do. And yet he does. And it's the, and it's the whole plot of the show. Yeah. Uh, so, no, I just never remember when when she got this station wagon. It seems like something I would have liked to have had covered. But, hey, you know what? That's fine, show. We'll adjust. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, anyway, Jill has this sweet car, and Tim has gone too fast over some speed bumps, and it's been an issue. Uh, but she is going after Tim for the fact that, yeah, he turns he always turns driving into a competition. And she's saying, oh, whenever you see... Whenever you, you see someone at a stoplight, you know, like that 17-year-old kid in that tricked-out Camaro the other day, you start making that face. You know, that one that you make, it's kind of, and, and she starts trying to make it. and that, that dumb face you make. Yeah. Where you kind of snarl your lip, and you, you get that look in your eye, and uh, Tim's like, oh, that's my Elvis impression. And then Tim proceeds to do the worst Elvis impression it was, ever. It was highly unconvinced. Do you, do you want to... Do you want to... I, do you want... I, I can't... I don't know that I could do Tim's version oh. of... I, I mean, I just want to see if we have a worse Elvis impression than Tim. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to think of like. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of one that isn't like just the standard go-to Elvis. Yeah, just impression. the standard. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, uh, hi there. I'd like a peanut butter and banana sandwich and a whole lot of heroin. <laughs> that sounds a lot like George W. Bush, actually. <laughs> <laughs> now listen here. I, I, no, no, that doesn't sound like George. That sounds like that sounds like John Stewart's George W. Bush. <laughs> sounds like George H. W. Bush. <laughs> Yeah, read my lips. No more heroin. <laughs> Just say no to drugs. Uh, you know what I like about only being <laughs> president for one term? <laughs> Your George Bush went into Andy Rooney. Yeah, I, I know, I know. It's just it's just a mishmash of people from the nineties. <laughs> oh my god! Um, so he does a really bad Elvis impression. Um, and from it, the- it, did, did it leave you all shook up? <laughs> uh huh. Th- there you go. See, that was wonderful. <laughs> Low-hanging impressions. Um, <laughs> we get a oil transition from the scene. Yeah, like just just black goose. But well, you know what we, oil we get a like. little. We get the lubricant noise that comes with it, though. We go. <laughs> you're just ruining. You're ruining future Truman's life when he edits this. I'm gonna. Oh God. This is what every I'm also ruining people's days. Yeah, I know. Every... This is what happens when you give someone power. <laughs> You, it's we, we didn't even give you that much power, and you still, it's more power. No, I, I apologize to all of the new listeners who we got. We are just slowly driving away with our with our fatwa against Rockapella, and now <laughs> your your luby noises. Um, right, you know, there are luby noises. You don't own them just because you make them. They belong to us both. Uh, so anyway, Jill, the the main point here, yeah, Jill is afraid that Tim has broken the car, uh, yeah. and then Mark says that oh, there's a puddle of oil under the car, yeah. and then the, the oil transition. Yeah. Yes, um, I did notice something in the opening theme this time <laughs> that really bugged me as a, a designer. Mm-hmm. Um, not on all of the names, but on some of the the cast names. Like Tara Noah Smith, uh, and I think the one before it, I can't remember who comes before him in the credits. I think it might have been, I think it's Jonathan Taylor Thomas, I'm not sure. But there's a drop shadow behind their names, Mm. and on two of the names, at least, uh, the drop shadow is cut off at the bottom, uh, and it just, it drives me nuts. Yeah. So, two thumbs down. Two thumbs down, never watch from the show again. The whole series, (laughs) podcast over. (laughs) I wonder if... 
on the last episode we ever do of this show, we're still going to be like, okay, and then we go to the opening credits. I noticed something. Uh, uh, I noticed something new this time. <laughs> um, we The credits take us to the dining room. It's a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get into the details of the scene, uh, there was something about the Mary. way... What's that? Mary. There's something about Mary. Yes. Um, there was a little... No. Um, is, it about, is it a hair gel joke? <laughs> I was going there, but I'm like, I don't know how to... It's, well, it's, it's very contrived. It's another Ikea joke. Build it yourselves, guys. There you go. Continue. <laughs> uh, there's something about the way that this was shot that I don't want to say the nostalgia finally wore off for me, but it like hit me that we're, we're watching a sitcom. Like it felt it took you so <laughs> well, you know, I've been so We've been doing this nearly a year, dude. I know, I know. But I mean, I, I've been living in the past, you know, my first experience watching it and kind of reliving it, but there it wore off for me in this the scene specifically where it was just like, Oh, this is just like you know when you like were growing up and you would watch an old episode of a 70, like new heart or something. Yeah. And it just had that feel of something, another era, a different mm-hmm. feel to it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, th- that really hit me here where it was just like, Oh, this is a TV show. <laughs> this is a, the 1990s sitcom. I realize I'm not explaining this very well. Oh, yeah, I mean, and I'm trying to keep an open mind to it, but also, uh, like, a recurring thing on our podcast has been how 90s and sitcom-y this is. But are you saying it's, like, the way the camera things were set up? I was noticing there were way more close-ups. There were, yeah. As though they bought new lenses so they could punch in extra close on Brad and Randy. Yeah, uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas in particular. I feel like they were, this is, like, his breakout, you know. I feel like they give him one episode per season so far. Yeah. Where they're, like... You know, this really focus on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in this scene in particular, I'm going to just slowly veer away from the abstract point I was making. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one will notice, especially when you call attention to what you're doing. <laughs> Masterful um, misdirect. But uh, they were really paying attention to him as like a star in this episode by giving him a lot of close-ups. And I have to say, I was really impressed uh, with him as a performer yeah. In this scene in particular where he realizes that you don't need dialogue and you don't need uh, to mug in order to steal the scene. Yeah. That was like the mark of a true actor, you know. I, I'm glad that we both saw this because we talk a lot about how how Jonathan Taylor Thomas is really a cut above. But in this episode, like there's this moment Jenny Sidorsky has come over and she's leaving her fish with Brad. She's about to go on vacation and is saying like, Brad, I'm really going to miss you. Aren't you going to miss me? Don't you want to say it? And Brad, like, like Randy is just leaning on the wall down at the edge of the dining room, just looking at him. Just and watching, just, yeah. Just smiling. And Brad, there's, there's this series where Brad keeps looking at Randy, and Randy's just standing there smiling at him. And it he's conveying so much with just this look. Yeah. And, and I don't know, and I don't want to rub any salt on Jonathan Taylor Thomas's wound, but it's like, what happened, man? I mean, that's like, that's not <laughs> something that you're taught. That's something that you're born with. That's a... I've said star quality a billion times yeah. about him, but I, I really just wonder, like, had things gone differently, would he be, you know, one of those child actors who... Would he be a Neil Patrick Harris <laughs> sure. type? Well, to balance the scale a little bit, I do think he intentionally stepped out of the limelight to go to college and all that stuff, so... Nerd! <laughs> um, so, yeah, we skipped over, uh, or glazed over a very important aspect that... 
we get Jenny Sudarsky again. Yes, yes. We haven't seen exciting. her since Halloween. There have been there there is a couple big appearances in this show that we haven't oh, yeah. had in a while. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, Jenny is Jenny is back. Uh, she's got a fish. Yep. N- Howard. N- Howard the fish. Uh huh. And and as you can guess from well as you as you can guess from the synopsis that I read out loud, Howard does not <laughs> survive very long. And yeah. honestly, the second I saw her with a goldfish, I'm like, oh, I know what this is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, she comes in, she gives, uh, Brad the goldfish to watch because she's going somewhere for three days. Who yeah, knows where? They're, her and her dad, Robert Durst, are skipping town. Yeah, they're, they're just going up to California, you know, <laughs> and just driving from one city to another in the dead of night. <laughs> I, how, how long ago was the jinx on the air? Like, like four years, years ago. Three, yeah. four? Okay, good. We're really, we're, we're staying topical. <laughs> I feel like, I just feel like making a murderer doesn't have the same, there's not as much comedy potential to that one as the one that's about... Like a bad guy doing bad yeah, shit. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but yeah, so they have this exchange where she asks him to watch the the fish while he's gone. Uh, he agrees, and then Tim comes home uh, with parts to soup up the car. Yes. Do we even need to explain to you that Jill just wants him to fix the car, but Tim wants to soup up the car? Yeah. He's brought home the Binford shock absorbers, which are nitrogen filled, and. Yeah, is that a thing that you want them to be? <laughs> is that the same as saying nitrous? Also, um, Binford is working in auto mechanics now. I, I mean, are we still going to be surprised by the fact that they put Binford's name on everything? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I really would not be surprised if they're eating like Binford hot dogs in one episode, or if like, <laughs> or or if when when uh, Randy has has what might be cancer, they take him to a Binford doctor. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, L. Yep. Is drinking Binford High Life. Oh, Binford High Life! Did you hear the air (laughs) seeping out of that joke like like a leaking balloon? I was like, "Yeah, man, you should have gone with it." Binford High Life is funny, and that and if we have to split up and each do separate podcasts and go solo, Binford High Life would be a good alternate name. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, Also in the scene, Jill uh, gets the mail, and she has received a letter from the bank. Yes, which is uh, Tim is very interested in. Yeah, because obviously, like, yeah, why? Why would his wife get her own mail? What the hell? <laughs> I mean, they uh, call it mail because it's for men. This, <laughs> this mailbag is spelled M A L E. Exactly. Um, but uh, Jill has opened up her own bank account now that she has a fancy schmancy job at Inside Detroit. Yes, uh, doing the researching, I guess. I, I suppose so. Yeah, um, research about uh, compost and stuff. <laughs> and Tim, that, the big compost bucks. I'm rubbing my fingers together. Can you hear that? No, they can't. Stop doing that. <laughs> Your fingers sound weird. I, I get so sweaty when I podcast. I'm very nervous. <laughs> Um, but so Tim isn't, uh, very comfortable with this or he feels a little threatened. Yeah. Yeah. Which the, the pattern I would say on this show is something changes. Tim feels threatened by it. Uh, <laughs> show ends basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, but he doesn't feel comfortable. He's very, uh, he, he's very upset about this idea that Jill is earning money that, and, and not sharing it with him because as he points out, Oh, okay. I've been working for fifteen years, so all that money is mine, right? And Jill says, "No, no, no. That money is ours. This money is mine." And Tim just Tim can't stand the idea that his wife's part time job basically yeah. is giving her money that she can keep, even though the entire purpose of her getting a job outside the home was to establish a form of independence. Yeah, right. I don't know where I fall on this this subject. Uh, it seems like I think 
there's I don't see anything wrong with a person in a relationship having a separate account as long as it's okay both ways. I like on, honestly I have I I find it almost strange the idea of two people having a joint bank account and having that just be all of their money in there. I yeah. mean it's one thing to like maybe okay you both share a house obviously a joint account that both of you contribute to for home repair and stuff like sure, that yeah. but at the same time all the money I've ever made in my life. I mean, I don't know. My girlfriend is listening to this right now and realizing that, that maybe <laughs> maybe I'm not as trusting as she thought. I just It's weird for me the idea of, of saying, hey, let's just dump everything we've worked for, all of our resources in our entire lives into the same pot that both of us can draw from at right. will. I don't think it's out of the question to say, yeah, I want to put some of that away that only I can use yeah. because it is in effect mine i earned it and the way that jill spins this a bit is like she says you know uh last year for your birthday i wanted to get you something um but uh when i was using the joint account i felt like i was using our money your money to buy you a, a gift this will allow me to feel like i'm spending my money on you uh, and Tim is, you know, charmed by this idea because it plays to his ego. Yeah. Uh, which was clearly Jill's intention. Yeah, you can see right. in Patricia Richardson's face, she has no intention of buying him a birthday gift <laughs> she, from that account. She's got a little, uh, Randy, um, streak in her. Yes. Well, well she does because so many of these episodes <laughs> end with sex. Um, and then I didn't write down what the transition to this was. Was this the, the closing door? No, uh, no, no. That's the next. Yeah. Year. That's later on. That's one of the many, many door slams in this. Uh, well, no, the transition is a goldfish flying oh, right. through the screen and into the next scene and dropping into the goldfish bowl, because in our next scene, lo and behold, Brad has managed to kill he- ha- Howard. Howard. Yes. Howard the fish. Howard the duck wasn't successful, but Howard the fish, even less so. Now, I want to I wanna break this open. I want to open this up for discussion. Okay. Okay. Brad says... I, so he's reciting what Jenny told him to feed him twice a day and give him plenty of light and don't get them wet after midnight. (laughs) Goldfish are always wet. I know. That's why they so often turn into monsters that rampage (laughs) through a town and then come back for a really avant-garde sequel. (laughs) Um, so he, the way that Howard died is that he left it a little too close to the desk lamp. That's how Brad sees it. But so he's saying, I left Howard alone by the desk lamp. Now we have uh, some evidence on this show that Randy may or may not kill animals. <laughs> such as turtles. Such as turtles. Such as neighbor's cats that he wants to catapult. Yeah, yes, yes. Uh, I'm asking for discussion. Do you think Randy may have killed this fish? Let's get the corkboard and the note cards and the yarn. Um, well, we do know... Okay, so by saying that he left it too close to the desk lamp, it, Brad is implying that the goldfish was in his bedroom, which, of course, is also Randy's bedroom. Yes. Uh, also, Randy springs right into action, helping him to uh, try and cover up this goldfish's death, mm-hmm. which, I mean, I and I can see Randy enjoying the activity just in the sense that, oh, it's caused Brad anguish and allows me to toy with him and take yeah. him down these avenues. And then also, in the end, 
uh, when when I, I'm skipping ahead a little bit here, yeah. but I mean, what, what are spoilers? It's it's home improvement. <laughs> In the end, when they tell when when Brad finally just fesses up and tells Jenny, "I'm sorry, uh, your fish died," and then then it gives Randy the opportunity to jump in and defend Brad to her and say, he was just really worried about how you'd feel. Yeah. He said that he couldn't bear the idea of you crying. Yeah, he plays this this weird Cyrano de Bergerac uh, moment because Brad can't uh, talk to Jenny and fess up, and yeah. you know, Randy speaks for him. Yes. And then afterwards, when, when Brad and Jenny are gone, Jill says to Randy, well, it's really sweet of you to stand up for your brother like that. And what Randy says is, yeah, well, I accidentally broke Brad's Game Boy, so this way now he's not going to beat me up because I did this. So maybe all of this, mm -hmm. maybe maybe he broke the Game Boy, and then as soon as he sees the goldfish, he's like, I can kill that goldfish, help him get out of hot water with his girlfriend for it, and then I don't get beat up. Wow. Yes, I I see this as a as a plausible... Yeah. Explanation. Because what we've seen now in the last two episodes, what's being established in the boy fights, is that Brad seems to be the most powerful one now. The benefits of puberty have g given him strength that allows him to beat up the other two. Yeah. And so Randy has kind of acquiesced to the fact that he'll be getting his ass kicked, but then he uses his superior intellect to, uh, last week, entrap uh, Brad <laughs> with the parents, and then yeah. this week orchestrate a situation in which he can save brad <laughs> yeah uh and it, god I, he he is clearly well and it's it's really easy for us like i feel like the creators keep lobbing these opportunities for us to draw this conclusion because they're always portraying brand randy as kind of in charge yeah. and and so confident and so suave with everything right. so he makes it look easy <laughs> but he seems to have no remorse over these sorts of things either like he so in what how this the rest of the scene plays out is brad staring in the goldfish bowl uh at the dead fish floating on the top of the water and randy's like that thing's dead and brad he gets brad to pull it out with his bare hand and set it on the counter and randy's just staring at it and then just starts counting one two three that guy is fried uh huge Huge applause from the audience. This is like Kramer walking into the apartment applause. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, well, I think, too, because they're giving Randy, they're giving Jonathan Taylor Thomas this, like, star moment here. He's got a couple close-ups here. He's got his yeah. funny moment. Um, and, and it is a funny moment. And he plays it well. Yeah. And the, the, the jokes and the setups that they're writing, specifically for Brad and Randy now, these past couple episodes, it's like the writers have... The, the boys are old enough and the writers have learned them well enough that it's kind of like they, they can start... They've really started to give them both characters and yeah. kind of and build this dynamic between them that is unique. Now it's not just the boys. Before it was just the boys were sort of a unit. Like, oh god, you Tim needs to teach the boys how to be responsible at dinner, or the boys get into a fight with a bully at the arcade. But yeah. now, now it's very much Brad is doing one thing, Randy's doing another thing, and their personalities clash in the same way that Jill and Tim's do in a way. Yeah, yeah, it's a good. Um, what do you call that? A uh, just a mirror, you know, echo is yes. what I was looking for. Yes. Yeah. One of those mirror echoes. <laughs> when you it's go weird. In... when I scream into my mirror, it <laughs> screams back in my face over and over and over again. You go into a large room full of mirrors and then you clap your hands and it echoes. <laughs> Just like uh The Last Jedi. In theaters now. We go to the garage where Tim is working on Jill's car with Mark uh in tow. Mm -hmm. And uh what 
before we before we go any further oh, yeah, on this, what? no, I what just have got? to say about this scene. The way can we, we need to talk about the camera work in this scene. Oh my god, it's so elaborate. I I feel like the show won these tech Emmys, and I feel like shit like this is why because we go into the garage and they're there. They've got the the car up on a on a thing, a you know, just yeah, jack elevated. Yeah, so it's up on a thing, and <laughs> and the camera kind of like pushes into the room, pushes past the car, and it finds uh, Tim and Mark together, and they're kind of talking, they're getting ready, and then both of them get down on the ground on those kind of roller things that you use to get underneath the car. Yeah. Maybe I should learn one or two <laughs> words about automotive repair for these discussions that we have. But they, uh. but as they get down on them, the camera lowers all the way down, and then they roll themselves under the car, and the camera kind of moves. Not necessarily all the way under the car, but it pushes kind of on them mm-hmm. down. So you can see them going under the car, and then you can see Jill's legs mm-hmm. come in from the next room. And, and then it rises up even more uh, and goes over the car to look at Jill's face as they're talking. You know, Tim doesn't know she's there, and yeah. he's talking about, um, uh, you know, you know, this stuff is basically mine. This car is basically mine because I paid for it. This house is basically mine because I paid for it. And yeah. Jill's like, oh, really? Yeah. Uh, anyhow, but this whole camera movement ca- captures all of this in one take. Yeah. It's the it is the opening scene in Boogie Nights of <laughs> home improvement episodes. And you, you were saying earlier how much this feels like how how this to you really was feeling like a nineties sitcom. Mm. This episode with and it's like with these close ups on Brad and Randy, yeah. particularly that we would get these like super kind of like clear close ups on them, and with that really elaborate camera move, this to me actually felt less like a 90s three-camera sitcom <laughs> than before, just because of how elaborate the production is getting. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there might be uh, an interesting explanation for this. Oh. Uh, until now, the director has been John Pasquin for oh. every single episode we've watched so far. This is the first episode directed by somebody else, a guy named Andy Cadiff, who will become a very prolific director in this uh, series. So he'll eventually end up directing 81 episodes oh, of damn. the 200 and some. Uh, I'm wondering if he was like, I got to make a mark. I got to like show my... <laughs> got to make a gullible kid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like prove himself, you mm-hmm. know, a little bit. I'm wondering, you know, because it does feel like it's a completely different directorial vision for the show you know that makes i'm really glad you pointed that out because this episode uh, you, those of you listening at home might think oh these hollywood douchebags so do uh, that they're they oh, i can tell the difference in the direction of home improvement but really at least when you pay as close of attention to the show as we do it this episode is noticeably different in yeah. the way that shots are set up in the way that it's edited to a degree yeah uh, yeah and and in camera moves like this and the, the way kind of the everything plays out on set absolutely uh so i'm excited to see more of what he has to offer yeah uh coming down the pipeline uh so but yeah they're under the car jill overhears tim explaining to to mark about how well yeah mom drives this car but it's really mine because because i paid for it Mm -hmm. so jill hears this and says oh really and they start fighting and jill says you know, Mark, uh, Mark, I need you to leave us alone for a second. And even as she's saying it, Mark yeah. is like, I know, I know. <laughs> he starts wheeling himself out on his stomach. Yeah, yeah, he's like, he's pushing himself, like, he, he flips around and he's pushing himself out on this skateboard yeah. thing. And he's just, it's like, he wants to go all the way into the kitchen on it. And, and Jill makes him get up. But it was, that was one of the funniest Mark yeah. moments I think I've I seen yet. And I don't know if you noticed, he was wearing um, the outfit that Tim was wearing in Mo Better Blues. 
Like, he's really trying to emulate his father. How do you... Like, what in your brain makes you... <laughs> we watched Mo Betta Blues so effing long ago. But that's the one where he dresses like Sam Neill, so it's it's etched in my memory. I remember that, too, but I just don't <laughs> think to look... Maybe, maybe it's on me that I don't pay attention to fashion. I'm just saying... I pay attention to innate details that matter to nothing, and you pay attention to the narrative. It's a good, it's a good marriage. This here. is this is why you're the Paul Simon, you know, <laughs> and you're the Simon Garf Simon. You're I'm the Simon Garf Art Gunkfuckle. Art Art Gunkfuckle. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Yeah, I'm Art Gunfucker. <laughs> Uh, you take over. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> well, welcome back to uh, to Grunt Work Nights, hosted by me, Truman. Uh, so Tim and Jill get into a real rip roaring debate here in the garage with Mark out of the way, uh, that where she's just sort of asking Tim like, "Okay, so you you own my car because you paid for it. What about this? Do you own this? What about that? Do you own that?" And then in in the course of them fighting. She says, oh, well, I suppose you own the house, don't you? And Tim goes, well, I mean, I did pay for it. He, and it's another example of Tim just continuing to dig himself a hole. Like, he's aware of what he should and shouldn't say, but just kind of decides not to say the right thing. It, yeah, when, I mean, when, the, when this fart, when this fart stites, when this fight <laughs> starts, Landon, what happened to us? We, were to, we, did, we didn't even stop recording for a second. We just were going, and then we both became idiots. <laughs> It's the party next door. I guess. Yeah, we're getting a residual buzz from them. We're getting contact high or something. Uh, so when this fight starts... <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry too, guys. Well, when it starts, Tim is... He realizes he done fucked up and is trying to backpedal, trying to make Jill not be mad. But then it's just like he can't not say stuff that would clearly be hurtful to her like oh yeah the house belongs to me because i bought it yeah and so jill's getting like actually angry here she throws the laundry on him she slams the door not once but twice yeah Uh, she comes back in and slams it again and the shelf falls and all the detergent spills everywhere which is a thing on this show i don't know how many times like when they get enough you always, like, there's the playful fights they get into, and you know it's okay because she never slams the door so hard something gets knocked over. Yeah. But every time they're having a real fight, she slams the door and something falls off the wall. <laughs> happened in Mobetta Blues. Yep. Happened in this episode. Has happened other times. Probably, sure. in, probably in Bubble Bubble Toil and Trouble. I'm going to guess it's going to happen again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've got time. Uh and also, uh, so th- I mean, this fight that they have, it goes from the garage into the living room, back into the garage. She throws a set of coasters at him at one yep. point. This is more, this is a more throwy argument. Yeah. And I wonder if this is, again, has something to do with the new director, if he blocked out their fight to have more kind of, like, physical comedy to it in terms of her throwing laundry at Tim, throwing mm. coasters at Tim. The joke is something like, oh, so you own the house, then I guess all that belongs to me is these coasters. And then Tim is like, oh, well, actually, I think my aunt sent those to both of us for our <laughs> wedding. And she says, well, then you can have half. And she yeah. throws them at she him. She chucks two at him, yeah. yeah. Which is... uh, I, I would bet, you know, because John Pasquin had his things of, uh, and has his things, he'll be back in the season, but um, giving actors, you know, quote-unquote business to do, you know, Jill's constantly like making dinner mm. or putting things away or cleaning and Tim's constantly like polishing his tools like he's there's things that make it feel like it's a real house and a real thing that they're doing. Yeah. Um and you know I, I think maybe it was an effort to make this feel like a real fight. I think that, you know, 
I certainly have experienced things where things have been thrown at me or near me or, you know, you get in a fight and it's just, you know, laundry isn't going to hurt anybody. True. A cork coaster isn't going to hurt anybody. So Unless in the they're heat... allergic to cork. <laughs> Is that a thing? I, well, I mean, maybe. <laughs> I, I really was like, I have to jump into Landon's carefully constructed thoughts and make a joke because people might forget that I'm a part of this podcast if I don't say <laughs> something dumb every five seconds. Please keep going. Anyhow, I... It, it, I'm just kind of hopping on your point and saying I do think it might be a directorial choice to kind of bring that um, realism out of, you know, making this feel like a real marriage through the trials and tribulations. Yeah, yeah. So uh, from this we get a door slam transition that is identical to the door slam transition we got uh, last week. Not yep. that I'm complaining or anything. <laughs> uh, and it's nice and quick. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, again, it doesn't fly into the next scene or into a void. I'm yeah. not, I got no problems. Uh, so Tim... Then we go to Tim in the backyard. Yeah. It's snowing. Actually, by the way. Uh, it's it's uh, Brad and Randy are in the backyard. They're coming oh, home. What we forgot to mention is in the last scene with the dead fish, oh, God, Randy's yeah, plan was um, Plandy. <laughs> Randy's scheme was <laughs> to go to the the pet store and find a goldfish that looks like Howard, which is the oldest "I just killed your pet by accident" trick in the book. <laughs> um. All my friends who have dogs sat for are looking really hard at their dogs right now. <laughs> so when we come back in this scene, they're coming back from the pet store, uh, not having any luck finding a goldfish that has this very specific spot on his side. Yeah. So Randy's next phase of his plan is, well, why don't we just put a ball bearing <laughs> in his mouth and he'll be floating at the bottom rather than the top of the thing. She'll take it home and think she killed it. Which is which is such a Randy idea. Like let's 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 pass this horrible guilt yeah. onto onto the person who has the most emotional investment in this fish. Yeah. Also, just when Brad and Randy in a previous scene when they leave to go to the pet store when they first hatch this plandy, uh, you oh, know God. they they say like, well, we need to like. Uh, Brad picks up the, the bowl and is taking it with him and Randy's like, well, why are you taking the whole bowl? And and Brad says, well, you we have to be able to compare the fish and Randy says, well, you don't need the whole bowl for that. So then Brad pulls the fish out, like shakes it off some and then just sticks the goldfish into his pocket. <laughs> and I know, I'm sorry to bring this up, Landon. Right. We have a job to do. We have to we tell do. the people I'm, what happened I'm on the show. Through. I'm going to say what I like about this, why I find the subplot between the boys so funny on this is that I feel like the last few have kind of been about uh, them getting in trouble or them making mischief or like very serious things about why it's wrong to steal yeah. or punch people. This episode is just them being a couple of knuckleheads. Yeah. And like trying to find their way out, like trying to find their way out of something in a really clumsy, hilarious way. And without, without parental circumstance or uh, yeah. consequences. Yeah. And and I, I enjoy that a lot because this is just, this, this plot line is just weird. They just yeah. have... Like, putting a ball bearing in a fish's mouth to get, like, th I haven't seen that before. I would not have thought of that idea. <laughs> so this feels almost absurd to me, and I find it very Yeah, funny. I have to imagine it was a real thing that happened to one of the writers where they, I mean, because it's something that's it's, almost like fiction is stranger than, uh, or life is stranger than fiction. Yeah. Where, you know, whatever. I guarantee it happened to one of the writers in college. Yeah. He was watching his girlfriend's fish. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, they come through the backyard, they have this new plan, and yeah. then Tim goes out back. Yeah, they, they scamper off throwing some snowballs which uh because it's snowing it could i want to just draw attention to the the production design that you know I, we mentioned it a little bit uh with the changing of the seasons or whatever but they do a really good job of making you know putting the snow on the ground yeah and making you know the leaves fall in the autumn um because it feels like winter and and also 
the snow, the fake snow that they use. I mean, in the past when they went camping for that Valentine's yeah, Day it was episode, so clearly not. Yeah, it was just like white carpeting they put down. <laughs> this is actual. Like the boys pick it up and it packs into snowballs and they can throw it at each other, which is an impressive technical achievement for fake snow. Yeah. I, Maybe they brought in some real snow. Who knows? <laughs> that would be under the studio lights. That would be a real thing. <laughs> I need a PA to run out to Big Bear right now. <laughs> Go to the top of the mountain. Bring off as much snow as you can. And get back really fast because we're not getting you a refrigerated truck. You just have to turn up the AC as much as you can. Oh, man. So uh, Tim goes out back, starts talking to Wilson. Wilson is lying flat on his back in his yard doing snow angels. Yeah. Uh, because practicing he, for his snowshoe expedition through the Upper Peninsula. Yeah. Which I gotta, as a Michigander, I yeah. gotta take a little gripe here. Yeah. Um, no one from Michigan, at least Lower Michigan, calls it the Upper Peninsula. It's the UP. It's the UP. Yeah. It's the UP. Like, like I know that, and I've never even been to Michigan. It's like <laughs> the people who wrote this didn't even hang out with Michigan people. <laughs> but I guess you know, for general viewers, I maybe probably have to spell that out. Yeah, but also imagine if he had said UP, I'm sure there would have been a mighty cheer from all of the Michigan fans <laughs> of this show. The Detroit fan base for Home Improvement would love it. Uh, but yeah, he's he's testing out the waterproofing on his snow pants and his long mm. johns, and so Tim starts talking to him about the fight that he's having with uh, with Jill. About the ownership and things like that. Uh, yes, he does. And what... <laughs> I was trying Please to, go on. I was trying to pass the torch on to you. I just didn't want well, to be talking too much. No, no, no. That. I'll tell you why, uh, as usual, I wasn't paying attention. Uh, because he says, you know, you wouldn't have this problem if you were uh, part of the MODOK. Mm-hmm. Uh, and immediately my brain was like, oh, I'm going to do some research on the Marvel character MODOK. <laughs> You know, when he said Modoc, I thought, oh, Modoc, that's the name of one of the first towns you go to in the 1997 isometric RPG Fallout 2, one of my favorite video games. <laughs> and yet I still kept my focus on the show. <laughs> so, well, I thought maybe there was something there, but I can't imagine any mobile organism designed only for killing is going to play into this episode. And, you know, the more I think about it, Modoc might actually have been in Fallout 1. So, I guess, uh, pox on both our houses. I, I will forward every angry letter we get directly to your inbox. I, I can. I think we have at least one listener who's really going to get on my ass about my Fallout history knowledge. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but Wilson explains that the Modoc tribe has no word for ownership, or no, there's no word for mine, or something mm-hmm. like that. And Wilson leads Tim to understand in his typical way that uh, that the reason that Tim is so passionate about owning things and the things that he owns and it means so much to him that he owns the house and that he owns the car is because then that gives him de facto ownership over Jill. And Tim, right. to his credit, once Wilson leads him to this point, Tim, through his grunting, immediately makes clear that he understands that trying to own his wife is a bad thing. So, you know... Credit where credit's due. It... I, hey, man, the bar is pretty low. <laughs> you could trip over this bar. It's a low-hanging Fair, bar. All right, okay, okay. Um, so, so Tim learns this, yeah. and then we get... Uh, I found this transition clever just because it is like the counterpoint to another transition. We get a door opening transition. Ooh. It's like... I think that what happens is that an, a graphical image on screen that, that is a replica of the back doors into the backyard of the, of the Taylor house... They kind of come together, and then the door opens into tool time. Ah, okay. I, I don't know. Yeah. It pleased me. Yeah. You know what? Considering how much the tra- transitions have killed you, 
Uh, I'd say that this is a mighty large step for you. I hear that that right before you die of hypothermia, you actually feel very warm and pleasant and content. So maybe this is what it is. This is this. These are my last days on Earth. Well, I'll tell you what. We are stepping into a scene that really warms my heart. <sighs> oh man, and mine too. Uh, the we we're going onto the set of Tool Time where Tim and Al are going to demonstrate how to sand a floor with a big uh, power sander. Yes, uh, and to bring out this power sander. We get the one, the only, Miss Pamela Anderson. Pamela Denise Anderson. Hey, there you go. Yes, that was, that is the middle name. I, sounds right. I fucked up on your big intro with some information that may or may not be factually accurate. But, but Lisa's back, guys. Uh, actually, yeah, and she's uh, credited as Pamela Denise Anderson on this episode, so. That's, that's how I learned it. I, I, I gotta, I gotta get better at my game here, otherwise there's gonna be a new, uh, a new host of Pam's Corner. He's got a new... Well, not for long, though, because Pam is not long for this world either. <laughs> That's fair. Pam is not long for this corner. <laughs> um, I, before we go into Pam's Corner, though, I yeah. do want to just comment on w- the weirdness of her appearance here. Yeah. Like, well, first of all, it's just weird to see her in general it, the, the, as an audience member. Her first appearance this season, more than halfway through. This yeah. is a 26-episode season, and we're 14 episodes in. Yeah, and so she comes out, and, you know, she's just ready to go. Here's your power, Sander. Thank you. Goodbye. And Tim goes, hey, wait. What is this? You know, like, there's this moment. There's this weird, awkward moment where it's almost as if you walked into a room after somebody had a fight mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they're trying to make nice with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where Tim is like, tell me more, have your moment in the spotlight. Don't go away to Baywatch. Yeah. <laughs> we want to give you some lines. <laughs> like he, he asks her what it is and she explains what it is. And then Tim is about to take over the explanation, but then she gives another line of very, uh, dense technical information just delivered off the cuff. Yeah. So kind of the beat, so it's both like, oh, she has a few lines, then the beat is written in such a way that like, damn, Lisa knows some stuff. <laughs> yeah, and then she kind of like, she has the attitude as she walks off, like, I can't believe I'm doing this shit. What, I mean, yeah. this is what they're throwing me? The Fuck this nonsense. I, I don't want to, and I know that we've been dragging the show a lot for not having Pamela Anderson on it as much, and now I don't want to be criticizing now that there is Pamela Anderson. Right. It just felt kind of weird for her to come out of nowhere all of a sudden and yeah. then have such a weird little scene. And and again, there are so many episodes, they could have made Lisa a part of this show in a way that, that would, you know, and fleshed her out in the same way that they've fleshed out Al or mm-hmm. Maureen or, or Karen and had her be a person who is a supporting player or even a, one of the main players in a couple different episodes. Yeah. Like, we didn't need last week's episode. We could have replaced that one... <laughs> With an episode that was more focused and had yes. something to do with Lisa. Agreed. And, you know, we'll get that with Heidi uh, next season, but sure, um, it is it is a bit of a shame because Pamela Anderson, I think, just, you know, you can you can really feel her untapped potential here. Yeah. Uh, she does have, you know, kind of like Jonathan Taylor Thomas, she just has a presence when she's on screen. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me, with that, let's go into a Pam's Corner. I got a pretty short one this week. Great. Uh, okay, so... Welcome, everybody, to Pam's Corner. Well, okay, I was trying to do the Cheers theme, and you were doing something else. I was, I, mine was nothing. Mine was mouth farting. But yours was original mouth farting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Pam's Corner. <laughs> um, okay, so this one is very recent, actually. Oh. Uh, Anderson um, started in a public service announcement video uh, produced by the National Limousine Association that... <laughs> 
aired in January of this year, 2018. National Limousine Association. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was in partnership with promoting awareness for victim empowerment uh, as part of a ride responsibility initiative um, titled The Signs. The PSA uh, aims to continue to push for passenger safety uh, and universal driving regulations um, in the private ground transportation industry. Wow, man, that is very exciting. The private ground transportation industry. <laughs> I Almost as though it was read straight from the Wikipedia article. Uh, <laughs> what, so, so, like, what is the, like... I have so many questions. The National Limousine Association is like mm-hmm. I'm. I'm picturing like, hi, I'm Pamela Anderson. It's prom night. You're riding in the limo. You wanna get out of the sunroof on the freeway and take your top off and scream "woo." Don't. It's dangerous. <laughs> There's low hanging overpasses. I'm Pamela Anderson for the Limousine Safety Association. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, probably. Um... My impression of Pamela Anderson is very good. <laughs> I. She's got a very throaty, husky voice. Convertible uh, Jackie Kennedy. <laughs> I initially thought that this included like rideshare stuff, but I have to imagine it's also you know similar to the the threat that comes with that. Uh, maybe not on such a grander scale, you know, for women having to get into Ubers. Uh, you yeah, know, sure, sure. Are unvetted drivers. Yeah. Um. So this is you know I think people that are experiencing weirdness in private limousine companies or private uh, whatever. It's it's not a cause everybody is affected by. No, but. no, okay, you're right, you're right. Maybe my privilege is showing here. I've just never, I, I don't know, I wasn't aware that there was a limousine association to I begin with. I wasn't either. Much less that they had the scratch on hand to hire Pamela Anderson for their public service announcements. Yeah. But once again, Pamela Anderson, good for you uh, taking steps to ensure the safety of people in limousines. Yeah, or the safety of people everywhere. Yeah, people all everywhere. All victims of all kinds. Yes. Uh, so kudos to you, Pamela Anderson. We salute you. This is our salute <laughs> to Pamela Anderson. <laughs> you want to try it again? This is our salute limousine. It's the sound a limousine to makes. Pamela Anderson. Yep. Um, and that's been Pam's Corner for this week. I always just picture it more as like than the end credits theme from Cheers, just like the clarinet going. Pam's Corner, directed by Lance uh, Solano. It's filmed before a live studio audience. Uh, so, back she, to tool time. Yes. She wheels out the power sander. I mean, I don't really know. Okay, so there's this whole bit where Tim is like, oh, we're going to show you how to sand this floor. I rewired this power sander to be super powerful. Yeah. And then it sands right through the floor and crashes Because he added more power to it. It's only supposed to go up to a certain RPMs and... Yeah, it's, he he timmed it. He he, t- he timmed it real good. <laughs> uh, and I mean, so there's that. Tim talks about sharing and relationships, and like he does the thing he always does. Yeah, where he goes on the show and he talks at length about the thing that happened in his relationship very well, cryptically. This is one where he did it somewhat metaphorically. Yeah, though. I mean, it wasn't a soapbox moment. Yeah, like true. last week's episode. Um, but we get a, we get a Jerry spotting. We get a big old Jerry spotting. Like Jer- Jerry, I almost expected him to have a line because this. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, there was a moment when, um, there's a camera angle from the audience, uh, looking down toward the set mm-hmm. and, uh, Jerry and his television are so close to the set that he's almost on camera. Yeah. I mean, he's on our camera, obviously, yeah, yeah, but yeah. he's almost on the tool time camera. 
Yeah, this long-suffering producer who who is always just glued to that monitor. <laughs> and, and, like, I almost expected Tim to interact with him in some yeah. way. Like, Tim is looking right at him. They're as close as we are right now. Well, two things. They're relatively close. One, uh, he can't be a producer anymore if Maureen's here and Tim used to be the producer. So I'm very curious what he does. He'd be a line producer. Line producer, okay, yeah. Associate sort of, producer. Yeah, yeah, Executive producer. He's, he's Mr. Binford's producer. eyes and ears. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Um, also, the the female is gone. Yeah, the female, the, the counterpart the, to the him. female, the female of the species. Yes, <laughs> which her name changes every time we we stalk. So yeah, I this know. week she'll be uh, Betsy. Yeah, Betsy sounds good. Yeah, like Bet- Betsy Randall. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> that was, was probably like, why you thought that. <laughs> yep. This week we'll call her Bubble Bubble Toil and Trouble. <laughs> oh. And the thing that they that they also do in this scene that they do a lot, and I like it every time is. Tim will be talking to the audience and the camera will be on him and he'll be talking to the camera and then the monitor will be in the background with Al on it and Al looking at... So it's a way that they can frame both Tim and Al into the same shot and get Al's reactions without Al actually being in it because we're seeing him on the monitor. Yeah. And I just... I find that amusing, and I like the kind of comedy that that sets up. I agree. It does create an extra uh, dynamic that, you know, allows Richard Karn's kind of deadpan deliveries sometimes to... um, uh, play on a, a different tone. And it creates a situation where we're watching a TV show that is a TV show, and then we're watching a TV on that TV show <laughs> that's showing one of the other characters on the main overarching TV show. Oh, my God. T- yeah. You just you said it. You said a mouthful. The old Tommy Westfall just shaking <laughs> that globe. Um, but the, this uh, set of tool time uh, ends, and then what begins is a scene back home. Yes. Uh you want to take us through this? Well, Mark is trying to make Jenny's fish look more alive. They have put a ball bearing in its... What? Brad? Brad is trying to make... Who did I say? Mark? God. I just... I, I was worried I wasn't paying attention again. No, no. <laughs> Going back and doing MODOK research. No, if I'm... <laughs> you got to get past this MODOK <laughs> thing. No, trust me. If something... If, if I am saying the name of a boy and it's not the boy who you think it should be, it's my fault. It's... I have once again... <laughs> the house always wins in the slot machine boy name department. Uh, slot machine boy name department. Yeah, that's that's the that's what I manage at Sears. Uh, so Brad is trying. Okay, this is why I said that wrong. In my fucking notes, I keep calling him Mark. Ah, uh, Brad is trying to make Jenny's fish look more alive. He's put the ball bearing in its mouth, mm-hmm. and as a result, this fish is kind of just like almost standing upright, like <laughs> between a couple of rocks at the yeah. bottom of the fish bowl, just kind of moving. hovering straight in the middle. His face is facing the water surface, uh, and. You know, and Jenny will be here any minute to get it. Yeah. And Jill comes in and sees that the fish is dead. And it's like, Brad, Brad, what did you do? Why did you do this? <laughs> and so Brad realizes that he's not going to be able to fake this. He wasn't going to be able yeah. to put one over on her. So Jenny comes in. Uh, and he, like, has got the, the bowl wrapped in a towel or something. He's like, oh, hey, it's so good you're back. Well, here's your fish. Okay, bye. See you Monday. And tries to run out, but Jill makes him stay. It was a very funny moment. That we, yeah. He, like, goes all the way off screen, and then Jill does this almost, like, Bugs Bunny Daffy Duck thing where she's, like, their forehead to forehead, and she's yeah. forcing him back in the room. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, that bit of physical comedy really cracked me up. Yeah. Again, more good directing. Uh, and so... Mark, you know, she, she's looking at the fish and is like, is he okay? Why is he doing this? What's going on? And uh, Brad just confesses and says, "I, yeah, he, he's dead. I'm Howard's sorry. Dead. Yeah. Howard's dead. And Randy jumps in and says, 
yeah, you know, he just saw a bright light and went toward it. <laughs> uh, yeah. But then she could, you know, uh, Randy can pick up that um, Brad doesn't know what to say when Jenny is kind of disillusioned and heartbroken over mm-hmm. the death of this fish. And that's when he jumps in with this uh, Cyrano de Bergerac uh uh, save, you know, for his well, brother. Cyrano was saying the words to the other guy who was then saying them. In this case, Randy just says, Brad was really worried about how you're going to feel. It was tearing him up. Yeah. He didn't want to see you cry and says all this stuff about all the trouble that Brad went through to try and fix this situation. Yeah. And, like, there's no there's no moment for grudgingly coming around to it. There's no moment for being anger or, like, she's yeah. just like... Wow, that's really sweet. Like, no sorrow for the dead fish. I know. And I was, my note here was, let's not bond over a dead animal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was like, the the tone of this whole exchange just felt very weird to me. Yeah, it, again, it was just, this is the, this is the, I mean, it's about as lazy as Tim and Jill solving their problems by having sex. It's just like, well, the episode needs to end, so this tiny gesture makes everything okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but she's fine, and uh, and then Randy reveals that the only reason he did all this nice stuff was to uh, to uh, prove that um, to avoid a beating. Yeah, to avoid a beating. Yes. <laughs> um, and then shortly after that, Tim returns home. Tim comes home and tells Jill. Uh, well, do you want to do you want to handle this big romantic ending? Or? Um, sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll just read the last of my notes here. Okay. Uh, which is Tim comes home. Landon, we need to talk about your job performance. If you continue to do such a shoddy job, you're going to lose Paul Simon status, and you'll have to be Chevy Chase. Oh, uh, I, I, I can live with that. Yeah, there's worse things. Yeah. Who doesn't want to be Fletch every once in a while? Uh, so uh, uh, Tim comes home, is talking to Jill. Jill is still very angry at him from the fight that they yeah. had. And he says, well, listen, you know, I, I thought about what you said, and I think he, he talks about how, well, Wilson was telling me about the mopeds and how they didn't <laughs> yeah. have ownership. And she is kind of just, you know, listening to him stern-faced. And he says, well, so what I did was I was at work today, and I decided to calculate up, uh, you know, what you'd be paid for all the work that you've done the past 12 or so years, uh, you know, raising the kids and being around the house and being my wife and all that. And I didn't have to, but I threw in a bonus. Yeah, (laughs) threw in a bonus for the pain of childbirth. (laughs) She says... Something like, she says, well, I hope it was a big one. And he's like, ah, you know, I was there. It didn't seem that bad. Or like, you know. I know your pain. She yeah. goes, how would you know my pain? And she goes, well, you were screaming and it hurt my ears. <laughs> and, and I'm she, butchering <laughs> the, well, the, well, the good writing on that. Yeah, you know, well, and also, we <laughs> the, the less that is said about what Tim was saying there, yeah. the better. Yeah, true. So Tim, you know, pulls out his calculations and says, so looks like what I owe you is... $508 million and 60 cents. I rounded it up. <laughs> and uh, Jill goes, hand it over. And he's like, I don't have the cash right now. but I'll have to work it off. Yeah, yeah. Or I'll, have to, I'll have to pay it by by satisfying your every need. <laughs> and and kisses her on the lips. And she goes, well, oh, that'll handle about 20 bucks. <laughs> and yeah, you know, and look, I will say they didn't just bone down and figure it all out. Like Tim... Yeah. Tim has Tim has gained a greater understanding of how to be a better man. Yeah. And he has uh made clear to Jill that he values her. Yeah. So, okay, you know, call that what it is. That's that's decent. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, uh, you, we don't you, find you, out what happens to the car. 
uh, if he fixed it or not. But... The car gets forgotten. The car is just <laughs> left to... I mean, better that he concentrate on his wife yeah. rather than the car. It's but... the MacGuffin of this episode, for sure. Yes. The MacGuffin mobile. <laughs> um, then we get... Uh, it goes to the credits. We come back for our, our stinger, which is uh, Tim and Jill late at night uh, watching TV, kind of cuddling on the couch. And Jill is saying, you know, I'm glad we, we decided to do a joint account. Let's uh, Let's talk about getting new... Um, prints on our checks mm-hmm. and she's going through all this like uh, foo-foo stuff yeah bunnies, bunnies and, and yeah yeah and and tim is saying no i should have manly stuff like armpit hair and marines <laughs> and kidney stones what about a bunny passing a kidney stone that's the compromise and the then com- and then they both make the face that a rabbit would make as it passes a kidney stone <laughs> you want to talk about animals in pain and that being used for laughs Ooh, yeah Ooh. and that is then we get an outtake with uh with tim and l uh, oh yeah set, which is kind of funny it was like, yeah it was a funny one where i don't know they, they just someone forgot a line and they just keep looking at each other yeah it's like they they're the the bit is they they look at each other and then look at the audience and tim delivers a line but in the way that it happens is they look at each other look at the audience nobody says anything and they look at each other look at the audience look at each other look at the audience <laughs> and I said this to Landon, and I'll say it to all you guys, too. I wish that we had a clip of that without the credits over it so we could turn that into a GIF. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a funny little moment. Yeah. Uh, and then why don't you give us one more bit of information? Well, it was yeah, a grunty bit of information? Yeah. It's a little grunty. Uh, it's a little county. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's Count Gruntula. <laughs> ah, ah, why ah. don't you take us into the... Grunt Count. <laughs> I love, I love this. Let's keep this tradition going of just kind of you know, just just improvised mouth farting uh, theme songs for our segments. Um, the Grunt Count is filmed for a live studio audience. Uh, the Grunt Count for this week's episode is twenty. Oh wow! It's a lot of grunts, and it's a lot of again, it's a lot of moments of Tim kind of going on a run of just. <laughs> Were these more? I'm trying to picture him doing it in this episode, and I really can't. Is it? It's more um, early on, right? When yeah. he's like learning about the checks, and it's it's a little, it's more of the like the obstinate grunt, right? Yeah, there, there's a couple obstinate ones, and then there's one early on. I think because he's talking about the car or racing, like there's discussions of the car, so we get a few like three or four grunt clusters, and that takes us up to like, well, what what did I do this time? <laughs> it's literally just in this moment the absurdity of discussing. <laughs> The details of grunts has hit me. Landon, we've been making this fucking show for nearly a year, and now it's like, it's amazing how we're, how 90s this sitcom is. We're, it's weird how much attention we're paying to the grunts. So much scrutiny. Like, what were you doing all the other episodes, oh, oh man? Oh my god, I've been in a cloud. What Did, have I done with my life? When, when you were listening to this podcast, like, you, you, you put in your headphones and you push play on grunt work, but what you're hearing is like, this is serial. One story told week by week. I'm Sarah Koenig. <laughs> Uh, pretty much no 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 this is it's a stupid thing that we do basically within the first before the first commercial break i think we're up to like something like 10 grunts and then the rest filter in also the conversation that he has with wilson is one where he does a lot of oh yeah oh yeah yeah where he kind of he's saying it and then he does like one grunt in the middle of a few things well so um not to extend this episode any longer than it needs to be but um we are now 
officially more than halfway done with the season. Yes. We are gearing up. We are headlong heading toward our end of the season spectacular. Oh, we're doing that again, huh? <laughs> where we're going to have to reveal the the season grunt count. Oh, yes. Which, oh, yes. Do, do you have the number? I don't want to know what it is, but do you have it? Do you know what it is offhand? Uh, offhand, I don't have it. I'm, I'm not all the way up to this episode. I have been mm. tallying up some of the previous ones. Yeah. It's getting, yeah, it's a, it is a number that is uh, high. It is not a low number. <laughs> it's a, a way different than last season. I would, well, there are, there's, there are more grunts overall this season because yeah. we've just had more episodes. Like we've had a couple episodes with 20. We've had one with 30, I yeah. think. But that first season, they, the grunts, you know, were, there were more outliers with like the 55 episode yeah. one. This one seems to be more consistently uh, higher numbers. With the exception of the first episode, which is zero grunts, the one of yeah. the most outlier. Did we, we fixed that though. We we went back oh, and shit. added the one to it, right? You know, we did have one grunt. Yeah, Gruntgate. So, on a technical <laughs> Yes. Who could forget Gruntgate? I know it's so can we just leave Gruntgate back at the beginning of the season? We're <laughs> we're halfway through the season now, Landon. It's a new day. Alright, fair. Yeah. Um well, that that's been the the grunt count this week. Yeah, I yeah, I wish I had more to say about it, but there were no particularly strange ones. It's just, it's getting harder to count sometimes because he masks more of them and yeah. kind of slurs them. But yeah. hey, you know what? It, I didn't pick this job because it was easy. Well, tune in next but, week for another grunt count and nothing else. <laughs> that, the air really went out of that one too. <laughs> Uh, do you have anything else in your notes that you want to go over? I, I don't have anything else in my notes that I want to go over. We've gone over everything. Actually, maybe the only thing I would like to go over in my notes is just a quick promo for something that's probably already been out for a little while. So the fact that you're listening to our podcasts suggests that you're into sort of uh, dumb comedy podcasts where it's just like friends shooting the shit and being hilarious. I take offense to that. Okay, we are not friends. <laughs> we're just we're just coworkers. <laughs> The secret to Penn and Teller's success is that they're not friends. Uh, but the, uh, if you're into, say, more kind of dramatic podcasts with kind of some story and some fiction to them, mm. I would highly recommend a podcast called The Big Loop, which is an anthology podcast about all kinds of science fiction-y things, yeah. and every episode is uh, a new hour-long story. And I specifically... Uh, want to promote a specific episode of that, specifically promote a specific episode called Goodbye, Mr. Adams. Um, both because that's a really good episode of the show. I think it's their most recent one that they've done. It came out on uh, January 9th. But also, it stars a guy named Brigham Snow, who is not only a dear friend of mine and a former roommate of mine and a creative collaborator of mine, uh, he is also someone who is a grunthead and a fan of the show who has done good work getting the word out about us. And he does an absolutely incredible performance on this episode and really gets you inside the head of a kid who forms a uh, strange and ultimately very rewarding bond with one of his English teachers who helps him deal with uh, some bullies at his school. Oh, interesting. It sounds like it could be a home improvement episode. I, it, it honestly could. It honestly could. I, I've uh, never actually listened to a dramatic podcast or like a, a, a scripted, you know, show podcast before you know and i haven't i hadn't much before until i started you know uh until i listened to uh this episode of the big loop mm -hmm. and uh, you know while i'm at it's long as i'm promoting my friend brig and he's also on a show called the bright sessions which is actually
actually quite popular and you may have heard of already. <laughs> but so I've since listening to some of these uh, these serious dramatic podcasts, which I think people are calling the kids call them audio dramas now. Ah. But it re- it reminds me a lot of uh, you know like those old timey radio dramas like yeah. The Shadow or something like that or like Batman the Animated Series where apparently they had all the actors in one room recording it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's it's actually it's really. Um, it's surprisingly evocative, and you'd think that just listening to something, you maybe don't get as wrapped up in it, but it's actually, these podcasts are done so well, this episode is done so well, that you really kind of find yourself empathizing with this character and being a part of this world. And awesome. it's really exciting. Well, so, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. The Big Loop, goodbye, Mr. Adams. Oh, Listen no. to it, or die. Yes, yes. Or die? <laughs> I, yes. Uh, the Manhattan Transfer will kill you. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah, but no, that, other than that, I have nothing else. Okay, well, um, then I guess with that, uh, the show notes for this episode will be posted, can you guess where? www.gruntworkpodcast.net. No, .com. <laughs> Which happens to be our website. <laughs> oh, well, that's can a, you believe it? What a weird place to post our show notes. Uh, I know. I've been putting them on the Library of Congress website, and... <laughs> And they keep emailing me saying, Mr. Caps, why are you sending us this? Um, If you enjoyed this week's episode, or you didn't, or uh, if you haven't listened to it... um, How are they going to know this information? They won't ever know. All right. They won't ever know. Uh, Please share share this episode wherever you can, um, i.e. the social media places. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because when you do, it really helps others uh, find us. And we really want to get the word out there so that we can continue to grow. Because every time that you share us, we'll write you a check with pictures of armpit hair and kidney stones on it. And that's a good thing. So again, please... Not only not only like and share our show, but also write us some some iTunes reviews if you haven't already. If you've got yeah. the time, good reviews, preferably. I mean, hopefully you <laughs> like it. Unless you've been hate listening to this show the entire time and doing a hate listen recap podcast. Oh my god, I hate it so much. It's another hour and seventeen minute episode. Oh god, another I'm e- hate every single second of it. <laughs> and that then that podcast is called Fool Time. <laughs> uh, on our website, which you uh, heard a little while ago, you can sign up for our weekly newsletter, um, which we've been having a lot of fun with lately. Uh, where you can get a notification whenever a new episode is available, which is on Tuesday mornings. So, so there's uh, your notification. <laughs> uh, you can also follow us on the social media places. Facebook and Twitter are the big ones, but also Instagram, wherever else, which is uh, at GruntWorkPod. And with that, I've been Truman Caps. And I've been Landon Solano. We've been fooling you this whole time. <laughs> 